0: Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. The show empowering and educating people on how they can grow, manage, and protect their wealth through real estate investing.
1: Now, here's your host, Bailey Kramer. Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Kramer, and today we are joined by real estate investor, YouTuber, content creator Michael Elefante welcome to the show Michael
0: Bailey thanks for having me man I'm really excited for our conversation
1: yeah absolutely and I'm super excited and you know I just listed a few things that you do the real estate the content you're also now a, a, a traveler you know you're doing a lot <laughs> of cool things so I'm, I'm super excited to dive in why don't you you know for the listeners that don't know you and your story bring us back just a couple of years you know where are you and how did you get to where you are today
0: For sure. So I am 28 years old. Uh, I'm married and have two dogs, currently traveling full-time in a camper van. Um, Five or six years ago now, uh, I actually had graduated college and was a college athlete. So I, I registered a year and I was thinking about either going back for a fifth year or joining the workforce. I was dabbling with that idea during the summer. The only job I could get at the time was like a startup sales job where I had commission only sold 0 dollars of equipment. I just like to give people the background here, it's funny. <laughs> and the only job that would hire me part time was Dunkin Donuts. So I was making minimum wage, had no money saved up, and I uh, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Ended up going back to fifth year for baseball, finished that out, had a great time, and did what I think most other people do in their young 20s, right leaving college is like what do I do with my life? Um, the one thing I was most passionate about which was sports, baseball specifically, was was kind of over. So I had to shift that passion to something else. And I was like, well, how do I make the most amount of money, right? In a short period of time. So I was like, oh, sales sounds great. And I really don't <laughs> like sales, to be honest, but kind of stumbled my way into it. it was in tech sales um, and very quickly found out that I did, did not want to chase money. And regardless, you know, how much money I was making, if I had to work more hours, more miserable, right? So how could I shorten the time frame? I'm not doing this I'm 65. How can I invest my money and find other ways to have my money work for me to create financial freedom? And I'm sure you've talked about that a ton on your podcasts and social media outlets um, where I think you and I both share the same sentiment. Um, So creating the freedom of time to do what I want, when I want, with whom I want, you know, without having to report PTO or report to someone, all that good stuff. And where all the roads seem to lead um, for regular people is real estate. So (laughs) in 2016, 17, I started diving into a bunch of books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, all that stuff, doing a bunch of YouTube, saved up some money. Um, bounced around jobs because I was focusing on my earnings to just save up to make that first investment. Finally, did in 2019 at the end of the year, bought our first short-term rental Airbnb wow. properties and realized the cash flow potential. Uh, started acquiring more properties. So bring it to uh, the end of 2020, we had three properties um, and we were financially free within a year after making our first ever investment, which was mind blowing because our goal was <laughs> like 10, ten years, right? Right. Um, and then <laughs> fast forward now to where we are in 2021. We quit our jobs. We're traveling full time. Um, doing what we love, which is invest in real estate, try and help others. We do content online, mainly myself. My wife does some on travel. I'm um, just kind of spreading the good word and hoping to educate other people financially And because anyone could achieve the financial freedom dream, right? And earlier right. than they may think. So right. hopefully I didn't ramble too far there, Bailey, but that's kind of the, the background on me.
1: No, that that was awesome. And, and a few like crazy things that and I know when I was first starting out in real estate, if I heard that there would be a few things that kind of I would be going like, what? So the first thing is you bought the first property in 2019, at the end of 2019, and you're already financially free, like a year and a half, two years later at most
0: now. it happened financially freedom. We actually hit that number 12 months after our first investment. And granted, (laughs) the timeline is different for everybody, right? Depending how much money you have to deploy, what strategy you're using. Uh, but that's what made us so excited about short-term rentals is we realized the capital potential was so substantial for, you know, single family homes. It was like, why don't we do that? We think we can get there quicker. Um, anyways, right. and, and scale quicker that way. So that's- the Yeah, no, like.
1: a- absolutely. And then the, then the second thing is you said you had three properties at the time when you hit financial freedom. Because I remember when I was first starting and a lot of people- they think of, okay, single family, I'll cash flow one to $200 per door. I need 100 doors. I'm at $10,000 a month and I'm good to go. But short term rentals and something I'm newer to as well. I have one myself now and then just getting another one up and going. And now I'm like, for, not, not completely, because I think it's important to diversify, but I'm sure. like, screw the long term rental stuff for now, especially <laughs> for the single family. Not, not completely. I, obviously, I think it's good to have a little bit of mixture. But as far as the cash flow perspective, it's not even it's not even funny like the the differences between short term and single right. you know short term and long term. So let me ask you this what what got you interested in short term rental? Obviously, you you said you didn't like your job. You wanted to you don't want to do it for till you're sixty five. You needed a, you needed a cash cow. What was it about short term rentals and real estate that that pulled you in?
0: Yeah, so there's two big reasons here. Number one, I already mentioned, was the cash flow potential. So, with short term models, I mean, it's really just a math game for me. So, just crunching numbers was the fun part. And I did the same thing pretty much everybody else does when they first get interested in real estate, listen to bigger pockets, all that stuff. Look at a duplex, right? If you want a house hack or just rent out the house or single family home. And I did the numbers, like you mentioned, and maybe one to $200. The housing market was heating up where I lived at the time, was a, which was Nashville. And I was like, doing the math. And our cash on cash return, like you have to hunt for a really good deal in a tough market. They, you can still find them, but like you said, I don't want to sit on 10% or less cash on cash return and maybe cash flow one to two hundred bucks a month. Um, you know that would take. You know people talk in reference to doors. I like to talk in reference to cash flow or cash on cash return because in short term rental world, when you do the math, one property, if done really well, especially a bigger property, could cash flow you over ten or twenty thousand dollars a month, and people call me a liar, but there's proof in the pudding and I'm not the only one doing it. Right. I mean, you're getting into it yourself. Um, So reason number two is you can use the properties whenever you want. So if you want to plop them in locations that you'd love to travel to, like how cool is that? You could have a beach house, a mountain house, a lake house, a uh, house in California, the Carolina beaches, Northeast, wherever. And you could kind of just block off whatever days or weeks you want to use them and travel around. So I think that's, that's super cool.
1: Yeah, that that is that is super cool. So you mentioned 2019 was when you first got when you got your first rental uh, Airbnb property. If you can talk about that first deal, you mentioned you saved up some money. How much money you saved up? Where was the property? And kind of run through the numbers of that first one.
0: Sure, and I'll preface like I normally do when I chat about the first deal. Every deal is different, and every person's first deal is different. So. I probably would have done some things differently looking back on it, which we can get into later. But for the first deal, we had worked really hard to get into a position where we had boosted our earnings quite substantially through through sales jobs with me and my wife and um, sold out of some stocks and stuff. But the first deal was a $495,000 single family home. It's a four bedroom house in East Nashville, Tennessee. So an area that is uh, getting um, redone quite a bit, a lot of older homes going down, a lot of new homes being built, a lot of commercial properties coming in, retail, things like that. and we, in, in Nashville, there's occupancy limits. So the max we could sleep there is 12 guests. And we were figuring out how do we stand out in a, in a big town like Nashville? Um, so I'll get into that in a minute, but let me go back to the numbers because I, I know that was the main part of the question. So we did 15% down on an investment loan, which is a conventional loan, which most people assume you need 20 to 25% down, but you actually need 15% down for an investment loan. So 15% down a 495, and then it was empty. So we had to furnish it. And this is like my only uh, thing I need to go back on and be like, oh my gosh, I probably didn't do enough research on this. I had to sell my truck. That was like my dream truck that I saved up for paid off in like two years um, to furnish the property. But I was like, wow. we're, we're all in, man. We're all in. So sold the truck. It cost about 30,000 or 32,000 to furnish it. I think all in, we were just <laughs> under 110 grand between a little bit of closing costs, uh, down payment, furniture and things like that. We paid $2,500 for a big butterfly winged mural that has Nashville written above it. So those who follow me, that's a property I always talk about because we're big about creating moments. So how do we stand out, right? Create that moment and experience for people. You're going to get booked at a higher rate further out in the future, et cetera, et cetera. So those are the numbers on it. And in short-term rental world, cash on cash return, my minimum requirement is 25%. Wow. Um, So kind of run the numbers um, and wanted to be comfortable there. And um, then we launched, but those are kind of the background on the finances and- um, I don't know if you want me to dive into anything, anything further.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's super cool. So, you know, this is your, this is your first property and you spent $2,500 on a mural and I have seen it. I know it for sure. It paid off uh, more than 25% on that mural particularly, <laughs> but what, I guess, what, what made you think, let's do this mural. Let's spend $2,500 on a mural. Like let's yeah on a, on, a, on a wall piece. because just starting out, and obviously you went all in, you sold your truck but to think, to think, you know what, this, this butterfly on a wall, it might do as well, maybe not. I guess, what, what gave you the idea, the inspiration, and then got you through to actually do it?
0: Yeah, for sure, that's a good question. Uh, so there's two reasons. One, understand, understanding your target clientele within a market is really crucial. So depending on the market you're in, are you catering toward families? Are you catering toward younger people on vacation, celebrating a special occasion? In Nashville, it's an exploding city. For those who have not been, you should go, it's really fun. There's live music everywhere. Bar scene's crazy. And if you go down Broadway Street, which is where all the bars and music are, you will see hundreds of bachelorette parties every single day of the week. (laughs) And bachelor parties um, too, but it's, it's one of the bachelorette capitals of the world. And we wanted to cater toward that market and create a special moment or memory for these people. Most people cherish photos or videos, right? From a special occasion like a bachelorette. So that was number one, we created the moment. Now, why a mural, why wings? Um, If you research Nashville, there are murals all over the city for whatever reason, it's become a thing. So there's probably (laughs) hundreds of them painted on sides of buildings. A lot of retail and restaurants will have murals painted inside or outside, a lot of them interactive. Uh, There's one in particular that Taylor Swift took a picture in front of that blew up. Um, I'm not kidding you, on a busy Saturday, there will be 200 people, mostly women waiting in line to take that photo. Wow, And I even had one of my cousins come <laughs> and just to take photos in front of murals around the city. That's how crazy it is. So how can we bring this experience in Nashville and bring it into the house? So that's where the mural idea came out.
1: Wow. That, that, that is super cool. It's very, very unique and, and, and creative. Have you, have you used any of that type of creativity or you know, captured those moments in any of your other properties? Um, and if so, what do those look like if they differentiate?
0: Yeah, for sure. So we had another mural put in by the same mural artist in our second property, which is a downtown one in Nashville. Looking back on it, we do have a bit of regret because we should have just done the same exact thing. Probably just butterfly wings again or a different type of interactive one. We have a really, really cool mural. It's like, it basically looks like a window built into the wall. And the artist is really good. And it's a view down Broadway. So it's like a replica of like a a photo at nighttime on Broadway. So it looks so cool, but it's not as interactive. So it doesn't get that free marketing from people as much as the other one where they post pictures of themselves or the group with the wings on. Look at me, everybody, look where I'm staying, right? Um, But that is a crucial thing. What I teach a lot of people is you got to have some type of wow factor or like X factor within your property. What sets you apart from other Airbnbs and what most people make the mistake on with online, like Airbnb marketing is it's all about click rate. And if you can't earn a higher click rate than other properties, you get way less at bats to get bookings, right? And it's all about bookings, reviews, and this perpetual life cycle that boosts you, right? And search results, things like that. Um, so we try to figure out some way to create that moment. So in other properties, we have two others in the mountains. Uh, we have really cool outdoor entertainment spaces. So if you have a fire pit, you know, spice it up, There's some string lights, have cool seating, throw a hot tub in there. It's worth spending a little bit of extra money on those one to two key moments within the house, because that's what's going to. Get you that initial click and be, see people people seeing themselves having a great time before they even book, right before they right. book,
1: right. And you mentioned you have two in the mountains. Where where are those properties at?
0: They're both located in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. So that is you often hear it referred to as the gateway to the Smoky Mountain National Park.
1: Got it. Very cool. Very cool. So you kind of have it sounds like you have Airbnbs in a few different places, you know, you know, close by, but you know, far enough away where you're switching markets. How did you choose and how, I guess, do you recommend somebody chooses a market for a short-term rental?
0: Yeah. So first there's, especially if it's your first one, I always tell people it is good to go with what you're comfortable with, but don't, as in like investing in your backyard. But if there's no market there for Airbnb, don't settle for that. It right. is nice if it's driving distance for your first one, just in case something goes wrong, are you able to address an issue if you have to? Um, But we started in Nashville just because the city's tourism numbers were growing year over year like insane. So that's number one. I look for locations that have strong tourism and also they're growing tourism year over year. And if it's a growing market, that just adds benefit for equity play long term. Um, Gatlinburg and the Pigeon Forge area, I think was voted like number one or number two best market for short term vacation rentals like in the country, if not the world. I think back in 2018, since then, prices have like tripled. <laughs> so it, yeah. it's insane. It's popular. Um, TripAdvisor in early 2021 rated Gatlinburg based on, I think, like inquiries online from people searching the number one rated search destination in the United States wow. for 2021 and number five in the world. Which, if you've been to Gatlinburg for me, because I've been there so many times at this point, I'm like, how in the world is that rated? But you know what? That's where it is. And, um, I go back, I mentioned it earlier, but the number one most visited national park in the country is the Smoky Mountains. So you have the Tennessee side, which is Gatlinburg, Kitchen Forge, and the Maggie Valley, which is the North Carolina side. But the amount of foot traffic that comes through there, like 17 million people a year, it helps. You know,
1: Wow. So for for people who are thinking, okay, I, you know, I like Gatlinburg, or I, I like some other markets that were rated super high and are still continuing to grow, even though prices have quadrupled now, is there any indicators or something that tells you, okay, this market is too saturated. There's too many, either there's too many or it, it you know, you, you kind of missed your chance. Is, is there any yeah. indicators that it's just not a good market anymore?
0: Yeah. So it's funny you say that. Cause a lot of people say that about Nashville and Gatlinburg and although they are, they seem saturated from a short-term rental perspective, the demand is so strong and there's so many, this sounds bad. There's so many bad rentals out there, bad Airbnbs <laughs> that, quite, quite, that quite, quite frankly, they don't have a way of standing out, but they haven't been updated. Their cabin's built in the 60s to 80s, 90s, maybe. And they kind of look like grandma's cabin. And some people want that feel. But if you can stand out and be in like the top 10, 10 or top 90th percentile, whatever, is, however you uh, say that, then you will right. do so well in, in, a, in a big market because the demand is there, right?
1: Right. Well, I'm just curious your opinion on this. What, what percentage of hosts do you think are more mom and pop? And what percentage do you think are more of your professional hosts aiming for that to be top 10%? So
0: that's a hard question to answer. Um, I would say there's a lot. I would say it's split. I would say half the investors out there my dog's right here. Sorry. <laughs> half the investors out there probably are bigger investors that own several properties, but a lot of them probably don't do, do focus on short term rentals. So they're kind of going bare bones and hire a management right. company and the Management companies, for the most part, especially the traditional ones, do such a poor job of managing it. I mean, there are properties in Gatlinburg that are doing 40 to 60 thousand dollars in revenue a year. When a couple minor changes and better management, it could be doing 120 to 150 grand a year. And we've done that with two properties already, taking them from, to, from level A to level B. Wow. Um, and then you have like you know, a lot of people who just have a second home and rent it out on their own time. And right. they kind of fit into that same category. They just want it to be what they want in a house. So they're kind of missing the boat on what people want when they're wanting a cool experience on a vacation. And then you have the gotcha. small subset of people, probably like yourself and me, who are trying to create that really cool experience. And I think you yeah. can differentiate.
1: Gotcha. Okay, cool. So you mentioned management. I know with from the difference between long-term rentals and short-term rentals, oh my God, the difference is insane. <laughs> so my, my long-term, I have a couple of long-term tenants now i talked to them once when they moved in and they just send the checks for yep. the short term. I, I feel like I'm best friends with this guy now because I've talked to him <laughs> for way too long. So yeah. you're, you're right now, like you mentioned before, you're spending time just traveling all over and you're still managing the Airbnb. Is that correct?
0: Yep. Yeah. We still self-manage. Right.
1: So I'm like, you're like a magician. How do you do it? What's your trick? No. So, so
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, that's the, that's the, seriously, that's probably the most common question one of the most common questions people ask is like, I don't know how I'm gonna manage it, right? And I tell you what, 10 to especially 20 years ago, because vacation rentals have been around forever, like way before the internet, way before Airbnb. But at that point in time, traditional PMs would charge upwards of 40%, some higher uh, of revenue, because they had to hire a staff to sit in an office to give out keys to guests, to go check in, collect keys, have a landline in case there's an issue, do you have maintenance? Um, and all sorts of that stuff. But now with technology, all those management companies are outsourcing. So they automate 90% of it, but they're still charging you the same amount, which is crazy. <laughs> so that's the coolest thing is with Airbnb, one, they like you don't have to take direct bookings if you don't want. They handle the transaction, security deposit, vet guests, like do background checks, all that stuff, which is great. Um, but you can use tools like Property management software is—we use your Porter, but there's other ones out there, Guesty, Smart BNB, where you can automate like 90% of the guest communication, check-in instructions, check-out instructions, um, keyless entry—you can have a security camera, smart locks, like internet, all sorts of cool stuff. Um, you can even use stuff like Noise Aware, where if there's the noise gets above a certain decibel, like you'll get notified, like oh, a party may be happening. So, really, really cool technology that monitors your property and handles guest communication for you. And also syncs calendars cross-platform between BRBO, Airbnb, booking.com, and also with your cleaners. So our cleaners, we have a really good system in place and we can get to this in a minute, but cleaners are like the number one part of your team. They're your eyes on the property. And if they're in sync with your calendar, like they just show up and do a great job and we don't even have to talk to them. So when I say like 90% of it can be automated, that's true. So we spend... Maybe thirty minutes to an hour a week, and then some yeah. weeks, if there are issues which eventually they will bubble up or you have to take care of like a plumbing issue like we had the other day that we spent like an extra two hours that week um, wow. fixing that right <laughs> but if you can automate most of it, you can create it you can have it be mostly passive and I encourage people to at least try it at first because forking up twenty to forty percent of revenue could be is a giant dagger to your cash flow
1: yeah <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, that's a very big deal twenty to forty percent. So you mentioned your your team on the ground cleaners. Uh, that's number one because they're literally going to your property, probably on a weekly basis, or literally every time someone's checking out. So let me ask you this: you have different markets, so I'm, I'm guessing your cleaners don't tra- don't travel between the markets. So how do you find a really good cleaner, like you mentioned, that you can rely on and not have to, you know, check in with them every single yeah. day or week? You know, h- how do you make that passive? Mean, how do you find those people?
0: Sure. So I guess for finding them. Word of mouth is really great. So if you can connect with other investors in that market that own short-term rentals, hey, do you have cleaners? Like, do you like them? And a lot of times people go through several cleaners so they get the right ones and you hold on to them for dear life. And more times than not, like I'm willing to share my cleaners information as long as they have the capacity to expand and right. grow um, with other people. And same with maintenance or handyman. Um, so networking is, is really crucial. You can find people on Craigslist, Facebook, Mar- Facebook and Facebook Marketplace, maybe not so much Facebook Marketplace, just Facebook or Facebook groups is huge because all the, excuse me, all the cleaners are in there. They're looking for more opportunities In bigger, in bigger markets, they are not hard to find. Smaller markets are gonna be more difficult. You can also, um, you can also look on apps like uh, Turnover BNB, which I don't personally use, but I have some friends that have used it and they they like it for the most part. You can find cleaners and even create task lists, keep track of cleaning and things like that. So, um, I hope that answers your question as far yeah, as no, sourcing, those, right? And then yeah, one definitely. more thing I think would be important to talk about is, is interview them, right? Ask them questions. Um, my wife's biggest thing is uh, communication. Um, she's very keen on that. So, she actually managed most of the, manages most of the interviews when we're speaking with cleaners. Because um, like you said, Bailey, they, they're the eyes on your property. They're the ones who are in there the most. So, They need to communicate if there's damage ever, or if if there's a maintenance problem, they could let you know in case guests don't let you know. That way, you can address it.
1: Right. And speaking of those maintenance issues, when those arise, well, actually, I have have two questions that kind of go hand in hand. I'll I'll start with one; they kind of go in. But do your guests know that you're not in the in the area? That if they needed something, you're you know because they're messaging Michael, I'm guessing, or your wife Jill, right? Yep. But if they, if they need something, I guess, what happens? Or is there just never a case where you actually ever have to be there and they can hit, or is it just kind of a limiting belief that they can literally handle everything without you there?
0: Yeah. So, I mean, they don't know where we sit, but you know, when we were in Nashville, we had the capability to go over to the house. If there was an issue, which I had done several times, Um, but quickly realized that if we we want to scale, even if we have 20 houses in the same market, I don't want to have to go over to any one of those houses. I want to be able to have value adds and other things I'm doing with my life or my family. Um, so outsourcing maintenance for even the little things is, 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 crucial. There's some really cool companies popping up. One of them born in Nashville. They're growing now to several different markets called MEND B and um, They're a, basically a maintenance or handyman uh, subscription service. So it's like hundred bucks a month. I actually had them on my YouTube channel, the owner of the company, super awesome guy. I'm probably growing too quick for their own good because everyone wants their services, hundred bucks a month service unlimited service calls included in that price really minor plumbing electrical they'll do preventative stuff change batteries check locks, stuff like that um but yeah and even guests can call them directly if you want which is awesome and they're working on an integration with amazon alexa and they're going to put echo dots in each of the places (laughs) to where you could say hey maintenance team like uh the sinks leaking or and and they'll you can set your own work orders so the guests can so automation is crucial those guys are great because you get a dedicated account manager and they have different techs that go out. Um, Super cool. But in other markets, what I would encourage people to do is work with your cleaners. If they don't also do maintenance themselves, because a lot of them are actually pretty handy because they're in these properties all the time. Um, They'll know somebody who's a handyman or a landscaper, and everyone knows somebody in a lot of these smaller or even large markets. Um, As long as you work out some type of deal, like, hey, I'll pay you 50 bucks, like we did with our cleaners previously in Gatlinburg, We'll pay you 50 bucks for a service call, regardless of what it is. And any time beyond an hour, we'll also pay you for time and materials. So,
1: Gotcha. Okay. Very, very interesting. Because for me, I was thinking like the small items, like like uh, changing the battery on the, on the front door. Yep. I'm just thinking to myself, because we actually, at, at my own house, the battery kept on beeping and beeping. I'm like, this is so annoying. And I'm just, I'm just imagining, all right, if the guest was there and I'm chilling in Montana or whatever do I just call a maintenance guy to go over there to change a battery? I wasn't sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it seems so small to send someone over there for, but it's obviously a, a huge, oh, it's, huge deal. Have to, yeah.
0: So we learned this the hard way. One of our pro- our first property, the f- battery died for the first time. And luckily we saw it on the ring camera. We kept getting notifications, like person, 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 person. As so we check, I'm like, make sure it's not a party. But it, it was the guests sitting outside and they couldn't get the lock to open. But the person who booked the Airbnb was in route. So it was like the rest of their group. So I like, I probably scared the crap out of him, but I I spoke through the ring camera and I said, Hey, this is your host, Michael. I'm so sorry. I I noticed that you guys were here. Um, Are you able to get in? They said the battery's dead. So I drove over there and like realized this is so critical. You have to have a backup physical key, but I never want the physical key to be the main thing because that could get lost so easily. So I always encourage people have an electronic lock, but have one that also has a physical key. So you can have backups in an actual lockbox there. So We've had some issues at one of our properties with a lock, like you said, for whatever reason, the battery keeps going dead and maybe it's not it's lining up correctly, but yeah. having that backup physical key is crucial. And then yes, I always have like cleaners or techs go out there. You got to address it, you know?
1: Gotcha. And then did you just have like a closet or some dedicated space at each of these properties for all these little things, light bulbs, door batteries? Um, yeah, uh, you you name it.
0: <laughs> yeah, we do have a locked closet at each place, uh, mostly for supplies. Sometimes, like backup light bulbs, because we want to make sure they're like the same. If we have like Edison lighting in some of our properties, so we want to make sure the right light bulb. We don't want like three Edison right. lights that are dark and then one like LED. <laughs> it looks horrible, right? So we just want to make sure we have backup stuff. Um, but but yeah, I mean we have that stuff is there for for really the cleaners and emergency stuff in there if guests have something like we'll give them the code to the master closet if they need it, which we rarely have to do.
1: Gotcha. Okay. And then is there a, do you have any procedures, systems, processes in place for, for replenishing and kind of having inventory on pretty much, I guess everything in the house, like towels. I just bought 60 towels for our property and I'm thinking I'm never going to, I don't, I'm never going to know if someone takes a towel. I mean, there's not really much I could do about it, but I want to at least replace the towel. So even things in in the kitchen plates silverware do you have any systems for tracking that stuff
0: yeah so we try to make sh- try to indicate to our, or like con- con- uh, talk with our cleaners when we first interview them or hire them um hey we want this to be more of a partnership um so in nashville our cl- so actually i'm going to do this in two parts because in gatlinburg our cleaners provide all the linens and soaps and everything Oh, nice and it's part of their service which is amazing because it's honestly better for them. They could turn more properties in the same. They don't have to wash everything on site, but in Nashville, they wash everything on site, flip everything. Um, so we do have to replace them. The biggest thing we have to replace in Nashville is towels. Um, we have a lot of bachelorette parties. So there's a lot of makeup on the white towels. Mm. So a lot of times they get stained. So we have to replace them. So we rely heavily on our cleaners to communicate well, Hey, this many you know, are dirty or you need this much, um, or if something's broken, you know, replace a plate, right? Sometimes they don't see it and a guest tells us, but the cool thing about a lot of the markets that are bigger with small items, you can usually do like a two day delivery or less with Amazon. So if it's like a family staying for a week, we've had like little things mailed to the house for them and they're like flabbergasted with the level of service. And literally it's like three clicks. So leverage technology, like technology is your friend. It can, in this digital age we live in, it can make life so much easier for you and also like better experience for the guests.
1: Right. No, that, that, that's that's a great point too. <clears throat> and speaking of making experiences better for guests, because ultimately what I learned from the management side of things, long-term rental, they're really just someone paying you rent. Obviously you treat them right, but Airbnb or short-term rentals, at least from my limited experience so far, y- you need them to have the greatest day oh, yeah. because at the yeah. end of the day, they're going to be choosing the rating. <laughs> they're going to they're rate you at the end and- that ultimately determines a lot, a lot more yeah. than if a, if a long-term renter doesn't like you, you know, you could find another one. But if you get repeated people saying, I don't like you, I don't like your short-term rental, you're in trouble. So yep. one of the things that I went back and forth with a lot of people in the space on was how to create, you know, better experiences and, and provide more value. So one of the things that um, I did, and I, I'll ask you about this is any type of welcome gifts or welcome baskets. Um, I'll tell you what I did first and listeners, and then I'd love to hear kind of your take on it. Sure. So for me, it was literally the night before the the tenants were moving in, our first guests, we had a huge, more than $100,000 rehab on this property, and we squeezed it in in about 30 days. It was nuts. We basically said, okay, let's pick a day on the calendar, and that's the day we're gonna open it up because we could be working on this place for months. So we said, screw it. We're just going to let people. So we finally had a day where something they we're going to move in. I ended up being at that property till about two something in the morning that night, just the little things, just putting the soaps in the, nothing crazy, just the little things. But I was like, all right, how do I make this? I, I, we need this. We need a good first review. How do we start this off with a bang? So I went to a local pizza place that I like, not like a chain, a local place. I was actually eating at the night before with my parents. So we met the owner and all that. So I went there, I said, hey, we have an Airbnb, gave him the whole rundown. Long story short, he ended up giving us five $25 gift cards uh, for free. Uh, we basically are going to try it out for the month of July and see how it goes and hopefully we can c- continue that. So the welcome gift included the $25 gift card. I had a few snacks. I had the welcome book there. And then I also had a little s'mores kit. So like the marshmallows, the graham crackers, the Hershey. I might've went a little overboard. I don't even know. They're they're renting it for about $1,300 a night. So I said, if I'm spending 20, 30 bucks, it's not the end of the world. I need them. They're obviously spending a lot. They're expecting a lot. I want them to have a good experience. So that's the long rant on my end on what we have done so far. I'd love to hear what you guys have done, your thoughts and your comments.
0: For sure. And I think similarly to you, especially with our first one and second one, we wanted to provide a unique experience. Uh, So we usually do like a welcome basket per se, not necessarily a basket, but it has like a couple snacks like Kind Bars or Nature Valley or something like that. Maybe some mints and a bottle of wine, nothing crazy, and maybe some LaCroix or bottled water. So we did that for a while. Some guests reach out and say, oh, my gosh, thank you so much for the wine. Like it made my day. But 90 plus percent of the guests don't really mention it and don't mention it in the reviews. So we didn't really see a direct correlation with a lot of that. And I think the reason is, is because a lot of people going on vacation for like, for example, and for me personally, a bachelorette or in the mountains, people are stopping and doing massive grocery runs and alcohol runs before they get to the house. So we actually had a lot of unopened bottles of wine or open and then like maybe a couple of sips taken out of, which is wow. fine. You know, it's all part of providing the experience walking in but I have not seen a direct correlation with a high enough percentage of people like it making their stay or positive reviews. It probably plays into it. Like you said, right.
1: Yeah. Um, If
0: you want to provide a premium experience, I certainly encourage people to at least try it out, but we have never done that in Gatlinburg and we have two houses that are renting for, you know, a pretty good amount per night. um, And we have really strong reviews, but I think that is just because we built it into the experience. We want them to enjoy the house itself and have a good communication with us as hosts. And I, I think that in turn has, has had positive reviews.
1: Yeah, no, that, that's fair. It's, it definitely be something that we that we try out as well for a little a little little while. Sure. Um, my, my, my thought process was, I wanted to provide a few things that hit them at different times of the stay. So I thought the snacks were great because they, they get there, they might be a little hungry, they'll eat them, they're, they're cool. They're just, their first initial reaction is like, this is awesome. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, gift card, is my favorite restaurant in the area. So I'm thinking, and it's a, it's a good restaurant. So I'm thinking, you know, if they go there and they are having a good time, they're going to be thinking about me again. And then I was like, the s'mores, same kind of thing. I'm like, they're going to be out there having a good time, thinking about the house. They're going be like, wow, this is great. Yeah. So I, for sure, I, that was my, that like was my that. thought process. It sounds good in theory. We'll see how it plays out as far as the reviews go. Yeah. Um, I think but- when you,
0: see, I think the only thing that's prohibiting me from doing it more. Is as we scale, as long if we're not provide, paying someone to do it, like we could pay our we, our cleaners do put that stuff out for us at Nashville still. But as we as you, we scale and as you scale, it just becomes a little more burdensome if you're self managing to making sure the house is stocked, reaching out to people for the gift cards, um, and making sure it's there every time. Um, only because the only thing I don't want to happen is like there to be a bunch of reviews like, Oh my gosh, Bailey left all this stuff out. And then like six months later, you're like, nah, screw that. And like guess show up and like, man, where the s'mores at. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, I think that's awesome, man, what you're doing. I think providing that extra step and level of experience is going to help you get really strong reviews and people, like, people live and die by reviews. My wife is like, yeah. if it doesn't have like a four and a half rating, I'm not renting it. Yeah. I'm like, that's a little strict, but yeah. So we try to aim as high as we can. And with reviews, it gets you boosted higher in search. It plays into the algorithm, and the higher you get in search, the more views you get, and ultimately more bookings. Further out, you can charge more per night. All that stuff. Right.
1: Yeah, and and that that was that was my, my other thought too was okay if I don't. Well, the two things: the one, if everyone comments in the reviews, and then I decide, eh, and two, kind of putting more of a system behind it. So I chatted with our cleaner, and we kind of verbally arranged something. We haven't we haven't gotten everything in place just yet, but just kind of building the system of. Okay, we're going to have a closet with, you know, already pre-made or kind of lined up stuff. Take one, take one, take one and put it on the table. We're going to have to kind of reorder that stuff. So there are some complexities. Then I was thinking, oh, we could just order to the house. And then I thought a guest is going to open up, is going to see a package. They're going to open <laughs> it or maybe they won't, but if they're going to, they going to open it, see a box full of snacks. And say, Bailey, thank you so much for the stuff. I'm like, no, that wasn't
0: for you. You So you could send it directly to the cleaners if they're open to that. Yeah. We send stuff to our cleaners, but just make sure you get the okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. First. No, that's a good call too. <laughs> yeah. So just those, just those little things. So um, the next area I want to talk about real quick is the social media side of things. I know you mentioned, cause it's funny, you mentioned a lot of metrics, rankings, all this stuff. I'm like, that kind of sounds the same same types of things in, in in the social media world, especially YouTube at least, and um, obviously TikTok and, and the rest. So, catch us up to speed. I know you've been doing a lot on a few different platforms. Catch us up to speed on you know what you're doing, why you're doing it, and the impact it's had on you and your business.
0: Yeah, so I initially started posting on YouTube with the intent of I don't really know what the intent was. There's a lot of, I learned, I've learned so probably more from YouTube, from practical things I'm implementing in my own life than I did through all my years of school and college. And I don't say that to discourage anybody from going to secondary education and getting college, but they're like, you can learn, there's so much free information out there. And so for me, I was like, how cool would it be to share this knowledge? And this was like, when I first was still learning a lot, like we just acquired our first property. I posted my first video, like two months after that. Of how much could you make on airbnb got an okay amount of views and, and youtube's hard as you know like it's it's slow yeah. growth um but just walking through the steps on how to successfully invest and honestly being open and transparent about the numbers because a lot of people in real estate will go on youtube and have really clickbaity things on all social platforms and that's there's nothing wrong with with selling courses i do it um selling education but i feel like there's too many people out there not providing the full level of transparency and value um, to where it almost seems like a little fishy. So for me, and I get a lot of positive feedback from people, some people are like "Oh, bragger, but like, I, I literally just say, I just want to be transparent because it like, it happened for me. I swear it can happen for anybody. Right? right. So I started doing more videos, talking about the numbers, the cash flow each month, the return on investment, how we evaluate properties and sharing that knowledge. And then now it's coming full circle because it's been a year and a half since I posted my first YouTube. Now I post a lot more on TikTok and Instagram. A TikTok's exploded for me just because the exposure there is so much easier, in my opinion personally. Um, but I've had so many people reach out and be like, "Hey, you gained you, uh, I gained interest in short-term rentals and real estate because I've been watching your videos for the past six months. I just invested in my first one. It's cash in two grand a month, five grand a month. Like it changed my life, and like that like gives me goosebumps. And I didn't originally think I was gonna have those types of responses, but passing along information, especially in the real estate community comes full circle because people have, are, are so open about sharing information in real estate, which I think is the coolest thing. Um, but having other people, you know, gain knowledge and value from what, what you put out there is super rewarding. And then it comes full circle. And I'm sure you might want to dive into this, but like now I'm able to monetize on all of this stuff that I had no idea or intention of ever monetizing on in the first place. So it's just like, right. it's almost like a good karma thing for me, you know?
1: Yeah, no, absolutely, and and you've been you've been crushing it on on all the platforms that I've seen you on so far. And I saw speaking of monetizing the the stand with me link. It's kind of like the for those mm-hmm. who don't know, it's like the um, what are the other links called?
0: Like Linktree, kind of.
1: Like yeah, it's like, it's like Linktree, similar. I saw you posted a Linktree and or uh, I, um, a stand with me, and I was like, oh, what is that? So I created a stand with me now, and nice. um, it, it's just it's another cool thing to just have up there. Um, kind of like complimenting and driving people to different areas. Not cool. Just a, just a cool thing. And and got the inspiration from you from that actually. So awesome. um, So cool. Yeah. Well, John,
0: John, John, the guy who created Stan, super good guy. So any creators out there listening or interested in, I don't know, monetizing or, or just direct helping people find other resources that you offer, look up Stan with me. The platform is super cool.
1: Yeah. Stan is S T A N. Mm-hmm. I think then with me dot, yep. you know, there's some dots in there, but stand with me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Super cool platform. So, you know, you're doing great on these platforms. What's kind of the goal. What's the direction. Do you have a goal on a certain platform? It, it, what kind of, what direction are you heading to with the social media?
0: Yeah. So the sentiment still stands that I just want to be open and share information with people out there and be transparent and encourage others that they can achieve financial freedom and greatness in whatever they want to do, because I feel like in a world of social media where people see a lot of the time, see a finished product, right? You see professional athletes play on TV. You see the finished product. You don't see all the hard work that goes into it. So being open and sharing with people, the process I think is really important. Um, But like I said before, it's opened up a lot of really cool avenues for me that I never had intention of doing any content. Right. But um, through YouTube, I'd love to grow YouTube substantially. Uh, There's obviously you can make money through ads. Um, but you have to build a strong following first and build that connection. So you have to right. put in the work up front. but then there's other ways by doing affiliate marketing with products that you use and love every day, you can encourage other people to use them and they, they get rewarded for signing up, right? There's incentive there. Um, I've been able to create educational courses on real estate investing. I have one that's like a basic holistic real estate, one-on-one, how-to strategies, all sorts of stuff, build your foundation. And then one that has really exploded for me is Airbnb investor Academy, um, which I honestly put off making for a long time because I was never wanted to be like a course guru, but I had so many people reach out asking me if I could provide them a step-by-step guide or mentorship. And I just don't have the time a day to just do that. So I was like, all right, fine. I'll build the course. Um, And the person who encouraged me to do it, he was the first beta student and he got his first property and he's cash flowing like just shy of six grand a month. So like seeing him and now there's a ton of people on the course and are doing really well. And just having people say like, you changed my life. Like I didn't do anything you put in the work. Like I just provided the blueprint of what I've learned over the past few years, all that coming full circle is super rewarding. So I'd love to just continue to grow and just see what happens organically.
1: Wow. Super, super cool. Awesome. Is there, we have a few more questions in in the big four round, but is there any, until then, is there any last things you want to mention about Airbnb, your journey, social media or anything that we have or have not talked about?
0: Yeah, I would say, You know, someone mentioned this to me a while ago. I think it was my dad, actually, which is is (laughs) ironic because he's not really on social at all as a consumer, definitely not as a creator. But he made a comment. I don't know if it was one of his clients that said this to him or not, but he told me, he's like, in this world, you either are a consumer or a creator. And that kind of stuck with me. And I was like, well, how many of us burn hours a day on our phone? Look at your screen time. I'm guilty of it. And I was like, if we're doing that, you might as well burn some hours pushing content on things that you enjoy doing in your life because you never know other people might like watching it and who knows what can happen and you can monetize off it. So if you're curious, I say, just do it and stick with it. Be consistent Just see what happens. Um, if you hate it, stop. If you find enjoyment in doing it, keep doing it, figure out a way to monetize. It could be a great way of, to form passive or relatively passive income. Um, with Airbnb, don't be discouraged. If you don't have hundred grand to invest, there are, there are other strategies that take little to no money to get started. You get different benefits and not all the benefits of a buy and hold investment. You could do rental arbitrage, which is basically signing a corporate lease and subletting on Airbnb, so you only have to pay for furniture, any costs associated with signing up that uh, setting up that lease agreement. And then there's co-hosting, where basically you act as a property manager for other Airbnb owners, and you get a percent of the revenue that that you bring in, um, and that costs you nothing to start. And then the last one is uh, rental, uh, or excuse me, real estate partnership agreement. You can carve this up a million different ways, and I know you've you've probably talked about it on your show before, but. Finding investors, family members, friends that may have money or interest, but not the time of the day to do the investments. You could say, "Hey, I'll put in the effort. We'll carve it up however you want. Whether it's just I just get a percentage of cash flow as a co-host, or maybe I get some equity." There are so many different ways to get started. Find what works for you currently and build off of that. Don't wait until the time is right or you save up a hundred grand. Like you can get started faster than you think. So those are like kind of my lasting words. It's just awesome. You can do it.
1: Yeah, love it. Love it. So, Michael, we're now going to move on to the next section of our show, which is the big four. And this is where we ask all of our guests the same four questions. So number one, what is your number one habit for success? Ooh. Wow,
0: that's a good one. Um, number one habit, I think, is setting goals. But not just setting goals, but, but breaking it down to like a step-by-step action plan and just executing. You got to execute. And now paralysis by analysis will kill all people. A lot of people have yeah. great ideas and ambitions, but if you don't execute on a daily basis, take like a little, little bit better each day, you won't get there. But if you do, right. you'll probably get there faster than you originally thought.
1: Right. No, very true. Very true. Question number two, limiting beliefs are thoughts in our heads that hold us back from realizing our potential. What is one limiting belief that you were able to crush and how did that impact your life? Oh,
0: man. Um, so my wife and I talk about this all the time, but it's just thinking you have to know everything or nearly everything before you start. So the way I relate to that is I read so many books and watched, I mean, hundreds of hours of YouTube about real estate investment, wholesaling, all this stuff. And like, I was like, I still don't understand it or how it works. Um, I, I'm not ready. Right. And I think that held us back for like three years. Um, and I, some people do this, they go to seminars and they do this for like 20 years. They, they almost know everything you need to know, but they don't have a single rental property or single deal done. I think it's better to get started early and make a mistake and learn from that and then learn how to scale and and build your business, um, versus thinking you have to know everything up front. So I think that's a limiting factor that limits 99% of people from overcoming like that initial feel and uh, fear and taking that leap.
1: Right. Yeah. No, very, very good point there too. (laughs) So question number three, where do you see yourself and your business, your life, your family in five to 10 years?
0: So this is a good question because I actually just talked about this with someone the other day. Um, And I usually don't like to put a number on things, but I'm like, why not? Right. (laughs) So our initial goal, just to bring this full circle for me and and whoever's listening, um, three years ago, the goal was to be financially free within 10 years. It happened in one because we took that initial leap. Um, but in the next five to 10 years, I would love to scale real estate and other income streams. Um, I actually have a goal in two years to a million dollars a year between cash flow and other passive income streams or, or you know, relatively passive. Um, so that's really our next goal. And then for like a family goal, my wife and I want to start a family in the next two years, um, have maybe two to three kids. I don't know. See how it goes. Maybe one, if it's horrible, I'm just, kidding. <laughs> um, and then figure out where we want to live and build a house. That's kind of our dream.
1: Very cool. Very cool dream. So you said it was the 2 million or no, 1 million in two years. Yeah. That's our stretch goal. I initially,
0: okay. yeah. Why not? Why not make it a stretch goal? 10 extra life, right? Grant Cardin and all that stuff. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's, that's a goal, like a million bucks a year. I didn't think it would be possible to make like a hundred grand a year by age 30. And that happened faster. I think so I'm just like, why limit yeah. ourselves to 10 years? Like you could probably do it faster if you think, right? So that, yeah. that's our next monetary goal. And then the family goal is the second part. So I hope it was okay yeah. answered to, yeah, yeah. to answer your no, question. No, absolutely.
1: And just a quick follow-up, because I, tra- I know you're traveling right now. Are you still focused on acquiring more Airbnb properties or have you kind of taken a small pause from the acquisition side?
0: So I guess yes to both. Um, it's really difficult to focus... A lot of time and energy on finding deals, figuring out the financing, especially because we left our W-2 jobs, getting a little bit different. We have to get creative with financing, Um, and the real estate market currently is pretty hot. Um, So it's hard to do that and focus. Like we want to enjoy this trip as much as possible. So I don't. We don't want to get too bogged down, right, with with the business. Um, But yes, we're still actively looking. It's a little more passive than it was the past 12 months because we were like rapid fire, like let's go. Um, But we are accumulating money, and we don't want to let it sit in a bank account. So we're going to we're going to yeah. move that into some new investments here moving forward.
1: Cool. And I'm sure we'll we'll see a lot of great content around that as well. Yeah, hopefully.
0: <laughs> I'll try to keep I'll try to keep up with you man. You're 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 awesome. You're consistent. <laughs> you're motivating me.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. So, the last question number 4. This is actually a new question I just thought of because I want to I want to know I think it's important for every guest to kind of share this. The number one tool, book, resource that has helped you either get to where you are or that helps you right now, that's gonna take you to the next level? If you can name one resource or tool, what would that be?
0: So if it's okay, I'm gonna just mention a book that okay, cool. was, was a mindset shift. And this like completely flipped my mindset like upside down. And it's called Flow Quadrant. Um, it's a sequel to Rich Dad Poor Dad. And it doesn't really necessarily have to do much with real estate investing, but the way uh, Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad team talk about like, uh, uh, addressing risk, because that's what we have this in- inherent fear of. I work really hard all week to make this money. I'm so scared to invest it. What if the market tanks? What if it doesn't work out? What if my Airbnb doesn't get booked? It's like the way he talks about it is if you're on the quadrant, there's employee, self-employed, business owner, and investor, right? on the employee and self-employed side, you're trading time for hours. If I don't move over to the business owner or investor side of that quadrant, I risk working my entire life doing something I don't want to do because I'm scared of losing my money and investment. And all of a sudden, that just like shook me up really hard. I remember I was driving to a work meeting, like a three-hour drive for a sales meeting. And I was listening to this book on Audible. And I just started thinking over and over again. I was like, this is way too risky to rely on a nice, safe, secure job. So at that point, I don't know what it was. It was like a switch flip for me. And we just started investing as much money as we could. Not saying everyone should do this, but we liquidated our 401k and our IRA, acquired another property and never looked back. And I think that mindset shift, as soon as you adopt that mindset and go all in on it, like things change in your life rapidly and compound really fast. So if I had one, there's a lot of resources books out there that are great. But Cashflow Quadrant, for me personally, was the one that kind of flipped flipped
1: my mindset. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I, I read that one. I actually have that. I have a stack of books next to me. So if I nice. if I reach for that one, it's going to fall all down. But uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Cashflow Quadrant is a, a very good book it's, with the mindset, like you said, you really, I think all the Rich Dad books do this well. They really just break down super simply. Like you can't really argue against like the very basic things he, he's saying. Right. And he's, he's true. He's like, if you do this, you're going to be stuck there forever. There's, you know, but if you do this, you can, have the at least have the chance, you know. So I, I agree. Cashflow Quadrant and any any book from from Kiyosaki is is awesome. So um, Michael, last question for you is: Where can the listeners get a hold of you?
0: Yeah, um, you can find me on most most. Oh, dog's shaking his head. Sorry, um, you can find me on most social outlets, social media outlets. Um, if you look on Instagram or TikTok, uh, it's M Elefante Six. Um, and then through those, you can look at my bio and there's links to all my resources and and YouTube on your stand with me on the stand with me platform. Yeah. So if you guys want to (laughs) check out that, that platform, it's there. And I tune your bio too, Bailey. So that if you guys have interest in using that too, check it out. Um, but that's where you can find me and send me a message. I'd love to connect with you guys. I try my best to respond to everybody. It's getting harder as my following grows, but I love the interaction and, and growing a community, um, and networking with people too. So reach out. I'd love to hear from you.
1: Awesome, Michael. Thank you so much for coming on the show. It's just, it's so awesome to see what you're doing on, you know, every, all over social media, just kind of sharing the behind the scenes and then getting to sit down with you one-on-one, break down some specific questions. I know I gained a ton from it and I know the listeners are as well. So just want to say again, Michael, thank you so much for coming on and looking forward to seeing all the crazy and awesome big things that you do.
0: Thanks Bailey. Likewise to you, man. Keep it up. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Investing Made Simple podcast. For more resources or to connect with us further, please visit our website, www.baileykramer.com. We'll see you next time.